Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Let's open our Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been working our way through this book, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the folks in Corinth. They had written him a letter asking some questions. He is responding to that throughout this letter, and he continues to. In the previous passage, one that we looked at, um, well, a couple weeks ago, verses 1 through 11 of chapter 12, Paul wrote about the purpose and diversity of spiritual gifts. There is also diversity in the church. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that we're a little bit different from one another? (laughs) Yeah, different personalities, different backgrounds, different upbringing, different ethnicity, styles of learning and giftings. But there must be in all of these differences, unity, a togetherness, a unity that understands that one cannot be without the other. The Corinthians' misunderstanding of spiritual gifts has been causing all kinds of conflict and hurting the health and well-being of their church. And it seemed that they had lost sight of the purpose for God even giving spiritual gifts to the body of Christ. It appears that they completely forgot about that, that purpose being which is to minister and to help each other grow and mature within the body of Christ, not to grow one's own ego. So after giving a theological basis for unity in diversity, Paul now turns to an amazing explanation for the gifts as they relate to the body of Christ. Listen to me now. As This would apply to the Corinthians 2,000 years ago. It applies to us just as much, okay? Paul is going to help the Corinthians slash us see what they couldn't see because they could not see past themselves. Let me say that again, okay? Because we don't want to miss this. Paul is going to help the Corinthians see what they couldn't see because they could not see past themselves. You see, the fact of the matter is self-indulgence, arrogance and self-indulgence is a destructive monster that must be put down for it has No place in the body of Christ. Agreed? The assortment of spiritual gifts given by God are designed to enable believers to function as parts of Christ's body in a way that God intended. In harmony, in unity, and in peace. In fact, there is a natural flow in this section of chapter 12 that really beautifully reveals this. In other words, we are going to see that a physical body has many parts, right? We see that. Verses 12 through 14. The many parts are all different, verses 15 through 20. And though many 
all depend on each other, verses 21 through 26. And all of this applies to the body of Christ, verses 27 through 30. And so although each of them had different ministries, different operations, different gifts, they were still one entity, one body intended to be a holy and righteous, viable and worthwhile expression of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? You see, Paul is reminding them through the doctrine that he's going to be giving them in this portion of the letter. What we need to be reminded of sometimes, I think as well, you and I are the body of Christ. Therefore, are to be really good, healthy, holy, righteous, viable, worthwhile expressions of who he is, of who he is in this world. So let's pick it up at verse 12. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So then, many parts, one body. To drive home the need for the church to be an interdependent community growing together rather than independent individual know-it-alls growing apart paul likens the unity and diversity of the body of christ to the unity and diversity of our human bodies paul says the holy spirit baptizes each individual believer into spiritual union with christ joining us all together to form one body at salvation, it is like Jesus take, took every single one of us and dipped us and immersed us into the fountain of his living water, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. And you know what that means? That means we, the world might think we're kind of dippy, and we are because we've been dipped <laughs> into God's love. And into the stream of his living water, as I've said. And so, if you would allow me this analogy, we are all then supernaturally have the same blood running through our veins. The very blood of Jesus Christ that unites us and baptizes us all into one body. Paul seems to be saying both that Christians are in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit are in Christians just as Christ is in us and we are in Christ. The apostle issues three statements which set up the basic structure of his analogy that he's going to be providing here. First, the human body is a unit, one unit, 
one body, even though it has a lot of, lot of parts, right? Many parts that go to us. Second, just as one human body has many parts, so it is with the body of Christ. And then thirdly, and, the mo and obviously, the analogy, the purpose of the, the analogy, Paul explains how Christ's body resembles the human body. To emphasize unity in diversity within the church, he mentions first, notice with me, he mentions racial and social diversity first. Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, slave and free. All of which contribute to the church. All of which bear the same importance as far as God is concerned in the body of Christ overall, every single one of them. No matter what had previously separated these people, they all had been joined together in one body by the means of one spirit, all baptized together. So then Paul's thinking here is of the interdependence of individual members in Christ's community in parallel fashion to the interdependence of the body parts of our human bodies. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Paul illustrates the importance of having a proper regard for all the parts of Christ's body through the imagery of the human body. And so while we found that there are many parts but one body, what we find here is that many parts are all different. And so he, this is going to be his illustration. He presented two scenarios, really, that conveyed his outlook on the division and all of the disunity that was going on in the Corinthian church. And with wit and with humor, he paints a ridiculous picture of the parts of the human body rebelling against one another. And don't you know that when the Corinthians originally got this letter, and when they would have been reading this, they would have known exactly immediately that Paul was pointing his finger at them, saying, I'm talking about you and your behavior and how you've been acting. So first he imagined parts of the body thinking too lowly of themselves. A foot may say to itself, I don't belong because I'm not a hand. <laughs> even so, even if it thinks that way, it doesn't change the fact that it's a part of the body, right? It belongs. The same would be true of an ear, which felt if it, it, that it didn't belong because it wasn't an eye. No, just as important. By analogy, Paul meant that Christians are not cut off from the body of Christ 
just because they think they have no importance or no place of service. Nothing could be further from the truth. Each part of the body provides a unique contribution to the whole. And we've got to understand that, church. How foolish it would be for the whole body to be one part. Wouldn't that be crazy? It would just be ridiculous. And that's the point that Paul is making here. The whole body, if it, if it was an eye, where would the hearing be? Where would the sense of smell be? Well, all that would disappear, wouldn't it? At this point, I want to make this statement. No one, on the basis of what Paul has already laid out for us here in Scripture, nobody has legitimate grounds for thinking that they do not belong. Again, nothing could be further from the truth. As Paul points that out for us. You see, here's the truth. You do belong. By God's design, everybody has a part. Everybody is important. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you belong and have a part to contribute to the healthiness of the body of Christ. Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. These scenarios indicate that God has arranged the parts of the human body according to his divine wisdom. Okay? We are built by God's divine design. Everything just the way he ordered it. He made them just as he wanted them to be, Paul says. Their arrangement being designed for why? To fulfill his purposes. Now, don't miss the analogy there. That would apply to the body of Christ. To fulfill his purposes and God's wisdom in so doing should not be questioned with, should not be messed with. Can I get an amen on that? And like we have said before here in times past, he is God and we are not. <laughs> this divine organization of diverse parts is so essential to the function of a body that Paul asks a riveting question, really. If every part of the body were one part, in other words, all eyes, all ears, all feet. Well, where would the body be? Clearly, there would be no body as we know it, right? Every part, once again, is important in its own right. How would you like to have four hands but no feet? That'd be kind of hard to walk, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
In the same way, you cannot refuse. Hear me now, church. In the same way, you cannot refuse to use. You cannot ignore your spiritual gift without hindering the body of Christ. A person made up of one huge ear or a single giant nose or a bulging floating eye. What would that look like? How, what kind of body would that be? It'd be ridiculously useless, would it not? Compared to the complex body of organs with its senses of taste, touch and sight and smell and hearing. A body cannot be comprised of one single member. It takes all members working together. That's God's divine design, church. Consider the many facets and components of our brain alone. This past Thursday, it was mentioned in our, in our guys' Bible study that every thought that fires across our brain traveled across 86 billion neurons. <laughs> That's just this little part up here. All working interdependently to present the thought processes. You just had a thought right now. And do you see what just occurred? All of them doing their part interdependently, working together to present a thought. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I like that. In other words, though many all depend on each other. Paul now presents scenarios in which the body parts are questioning the value of other body parts. In other words, rather than thinking too lowly of oneself, this is the opposite. This is thinking too highly of oneself. And so Paul insisted it would be inconceivable for an eye to tell a hand, take a hike, I don't need you. The same would apply to the head, saying that to the feet. Common sense demands that the opposite is true. The eyes need the hands and the head needs the feet. The parts of the body which appear to be weaker are actually more indispensable. Some members of the body of Christ may seem insignificant. And we kind of, in our culture and in our world, have this kind of mindset and attitude. It falls right into the church as well, unfortunately. Some members of the body of Christ may seem insignificant, and we're the ones that might think that. But on the surface, they might appear that way, but are incredibly important. If an eye sees something good to eat, it takes a hand with fingers attached to an arm, 
to reach for it, right? And then it takes a mouth with some teeth to chew it. And then it takes a bunch of unseen internal organs to digest the food so it can nourish the body. So it can nourish the body. Analogy accepted? The seemingly least important members really are sometimes the most necessary members. An above-ground pool was donated to a church's mission for handicapped orphans in Mexico. But because it arrived in what seemed like a million parts, and no matter how hard the mission staff tried to assemble that pool and put it together, they just couldn't get it done. Well, a few days later, they got a phone call from a man who was attending a Bible college somewhere in the States. And he said, you know, I, I really am not sure why, but I just really feel and believe that I'm supposed to come down and just hang out with you folks down here at the mission for a while. I can't preach. <laughs> I can't teach. I can't cook. I can't even garden. I just, but I just think I'm supposed to be down there. The, 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 the administrator the director of the mission says, okay, come on down. Oh, and by the way, what did you do for the last 20 years before you went to Bible college? Well, for the last 20 years, I, I put together above ground pools. <laughs> it wasn't long after he had arrived that those handicapped orphans were enjoying that swimming pool. I love that, don't you? Isn't that God's way of working? Don't you know that when that man initially was thinking in his mind, when he's going to answer the question, what have you done before Bible college? He's probably thinking, oh, this isn't going to amount to anything. It might even discourage him for wanting me to come. I put together above ground pools. <laughs> can, <laughs> can you see the smile? It just lit that guy up on the other end of that line. Isn't that what God does? You may not think that what you have to contribute is worth much. I've got news for you. God says differently. God would argue that point with you. Without exception, whatever you do, whatever gifts God has placed in you, whatever the operations flowing through you, whatever the ministries opened to you, you are needed. Oh, how you are needed in the body of Christ. Verse 23, and the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Paul says those parts of the body that people consider less honorable actually get better and more honorable treatment. 
Bible scholars suggest that this expression is probably referring something along the lines of clothing or ornaments such as rings and jewelry that might go onto fingers, toenails being painted, that sort of thing, okay? They attract, naturally, uh, they do not attract honor, but we give them honor in that way. And so we as the body of Christ must recognize those who do not naturally attract honor, we must see them, know them, and go out of our way to honor them as necessary, significant, and important members of Christ's body rather than what we tend to do is overlook them. That's got to stop. Verse, the rest of verse 24, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Paul contends that God himself had given greater honor to the members of the body that lacked obvious honor. He did this for the purpose, Paul says, of making sure that there would be no divisions amongst the parts. And so that all the parts would have equal concern for each other. The interdependence of all parts is evidence for this design. In other words, if one part suffers, Paul says, from pain or disease, then every part suffers with it. Most people have experienced how things as small as toothaches or an ingrown nail or something like that, the, the kind of havoc it can wreak to our bodies, right? Consider the appendix. It may be small and, and, and seemingly have no apparent serious function, but when it suffers, when it goes wrong, it jeopardizes the entire life of the body, right? So when one part is honored and treated with great care, then every part of the body rejoices with it. For example, let's assume that we are all right-handed quarterbacks in the NFL and we've just thrown a touchdown game winning pass at that point did our left arm <laughs> get all jealous and start complaining and you know coming down on our right arm no have you ever watched a quarterback after throwing a touchdown winning game pass in the end zone doing this no, the whole body <laughs> is involved, right? The whole body rejoices and celebrates. And we've all seen some pretty exotic dances going on in celebration in an end zone, haven't we? Are you getting my point? Doesn't happen like that. By overcoming our natural tendency toward division God says, Paul says, through mutual love and our concern for one another, we exhibit 
God's supernatural power and grace for the whole world to see. Let me remind you what I said in the beginning of this. We are to be holy, righteous, viable, worthwhile expressions of Jesus Christ because the whole world is watching. It's easy to love those who are like us, to spend time with the honored, to befriend those who benefit us. It's far more difficult to overcome our carnal dislike for the weak, our envy of the strong, and our selfish neglect of the suffering. But aren't we thankful by the work of the Holy Spirit, an otherwise disunited gathering of selfish human beings can overcome their selfish desires and unite through humility and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? So what we are finding here that Paul is now going to turn his analogy to the spiritual emphasis of it, the whole reason he's given it. He brings the spiritual side of this analogy explaining that there is no such thing as an exclusive private gift in the body of Christ. The Corinthians had gotten out of balance. They had gotten things pretty messed up. In fact, it is not difficult for us to come to the conclusion and see that they had gotten things kind of turned upside down in their treatment and in their understanding of the gifts that God had given. It appears, and we will talk more about it again in chapter 14, it appears that they had made the speaking in tongues and interpretation the most important gift. In fact, it was kind of like they were saying, if you didn't do that, then you just weren't spiritual. Nowhere in Scripture does it indicate that kind of thing. In fact, isn't it interesting that... In both lists, in the first part of chapter 12, and even here in the second half of chapter 12, tongues and interpretation kind of get listed last. I just kind of think Paul is sending a message to the folks back in Corinth. You've got things turned upside down. You've gotten out of balance. And so to counter this imbalance, Paul acknowledges that God has set order within the church. It's God's doing, not man's, okay? This is how God has set it up. 
with the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers having a place of particular authority because of their role in proclaiming God's word, which builds up the body of Christ. After these roles, other gifted individuals, workers of miracles and healings, helpers and administration, and speakers of various tongues take their place, however still a part of the united whole. Okay, Paul points out that not all Christians are called to be apostles. Not all are going to be prophets. Not all are going to be teachers, nor will all do miracles or affect healings or speak in tongues. While every one of those, I believe, are available to every single member, let's not forget it's God's design. It is God who decides who, when, where, and why that should take place when it takes place, okay? Please understand that. Now look at verse 31. After having said that, Paul now comes as he's bringing this part of his letter to a close. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. You got to love it. Keep in mind, Corinth had gotten out of balance. They kind of flip-flopped the list of gifts and made one to be more important than the other. Paul says, now desire the greater gifts. And initially, they may have been thinking, well, that's what I've been doing, speaking in tongues, the greater gift. And Paul says, no. If you look at his what he's done here and what he is saying, he says, no, more is like the teacher. And the prophets, why? Once again, because they are the ones who proclaim God's word. They are the ones who in a general kind of way for the entire body of Christ speak God's word to build up the body of Christ. Now, the other gifts are important, but notice with me that when they happen, they are more specific to individuals, right? Or even if it's a miracle, Groups of people can be involved, but that's a smaller unit in comparison to the entire body of Christ. Are you tracking with me? And so that's, this is what Paul is saying. So seek the greater gifts. What does he have in mind? I think it would be along the lines of those that he mentioned first, the prophecy and the teaching because of what those gifts do for the entire body. The lesser gifts, as Paul describes, such as tongues, build up only a small part while the others a larger part. Now, in light of the fact, of that fact, that the purpose of all the gifts, all of them really, in one way or another, as we've said before, are for the building up of the body, Paul says that we should follow a more excellent way. Now, I don't know how your Bible is set up, but mine, the last part of verse 31, they've kind of connected to the what appears like the first part of chapter 13. But it's actually a part of chapter 12. And yet, I will show you the more excellent way. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet, I will show you the more excellent way. The way of self-sacrificial love for one another, to which Paul will devote the whole next chapter to, right? Yes. What some have considered to be perhaps the most beautiful chapter in the entire Bible. 
1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter, right? Now consider this with me. In our day, in the body of Christ, who gets the extra attention? Who do we tend to put in the spotlight? The less honorable parts? No, we don't typically do that, do we? No. Actually, we, we think just the opposite. We think the spiritual superstars are the ones who should get the special attention. In reality, however, when we get to heaven, I'm wondering, could it be that we will be in for some big-time shockers? The people who were not seen, not known, not up in front, the people who were worshiping and praying, loving and sharing, preparing dinners, visiting rest homes, staying after potlucks to help clean up, (laughs) will be the ones who will be honored in heaven. On the other hand, I wonder, could it be that those who have been center stage those who have been in the spotlight here on earth will be on a back road somewhere (laughs) in heaven, just thinking out loud. Folks, living for Jesus isn't about getting all the attention. It is about giving all our devotion towards serving Christ and his body. We are all one family. We are many, but we are one. Let's do our part in contributing to the health of the body of Christ. And for us, as that would apply specifically to Wellspring of Life Church here in this part of Colorado. What do you think? All right, let's do it. Father, we come before you this morning and we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for the instruction that it brings, the encouragement, and maybe even in some cases, conviction. And like I have said many times before, conviction is our friend. It is not something to try to ignore or evade. It is what is needed in our hearts. Because of conviction, we can take an inward look and begin to prayerfully say, God, I need help in this area. I've been letting down the body of Christ in this particular way. You have given me gifts. I have a part to contribute. And I've not been doing a very good job of it lately. God, I pray that you move within us. And may we all realize that we all belong. Everyone important, not one more than the other. And may we rise to the occasion, especially in these last days, as the world desperately needs to see the real deal that Jesus really is alive. 
that his love makes a difference and that he changes lives. May they see that in us as they see you in us as we become holy and righteous, viable and worthwhile expressions of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will